Welcome to Fieldstone. We are in the middle of a series called From This Day Forward. And if you have been with us, we've been talking about five commitments that I believe you can make within your marriage that can not only help you make it to the end, but actually enjoy yourself in the process. So uh, we're talking, you know, admittedly talking very much to married couples through this series. We've got one more week next week. But for those of you who aren't married, many of you are single, we've said, hey, uh, you anticipate this at some point, either being married or remarried. So take these five things and not only store them up in your heart for later, but begin to practice them within your relationships, whether it's friendships or family or whatever. Uh, and many of you, the married season is behind you. And you don't, you don't anticipate experiencing that again. So what I want you to do is look back and think, okay, who's coming after me? Who is walking the road that, uh, that I've already walked? How can I encourage them and mentor them when it comes to these five commitments? So uh, we've been talking about this, and we started with the first one, which is seek God. And how our, our spouse isn't the one. God is the one. He is our number one, and we need to seek him as our top priority. And in many cases, if you are married, seek him with your number two. That's your wife. That's your husband. That's the person you've chosen to share life with. And if you will seek God together, that, takes, that casts the umbrella over the rest of it because you can figure out the financial stuff. You can figure out communication. You can figure out conflict management. You can figure out kids and schedules. But if you're not seeking God together, you're going to miss out. And so that was the big thing. And today we get into an, a, another thing, talking about staying pure. Uh, and this, this takes a little bit of a turn. We had some fun last week, uh, and this one gets a little bit more to the secretive side of life. And, and, and this is the one, I'm going to ask you a question in a second, and you're going to know immediately that you should have gone to your in-law's cottage instead of coming to church today. Because this is the day you're like, oh no, we're three minutes in, and he already said the word pornography. Like, what are we supposed to do? So here's a question for you. How many of you are married? Okay, so you can put your hands down. How many of you before getting married, or as you anticipate being married someday, had the goal in mind that when I'm married at some point, I'm going to cheat on my spouse? <laughs> the lights are bright. Oh, sorry, my hand's not up, Kathy. <laughs> I forgot she was back there. Um, <laughs> Okay, how many of you, that, that's kind of an extreme one. How many decided, you know, at some point in the course of our relationship, I'm going to have an emotional affair? Nobody had that goal. All right, how many decided at some point I'm going to become addicted to pornography? No, nobody had that goal, right? Nobody makes that goal. And yet here's the thing. Statistics show that half of all people, even up to 75% by some statistics, will engage in one of those things over the course of their marriage. It's a crazy deal. And so we, you know, we look at Hebrews chapter 13, and it says the obvious. It says marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. Purity matters to God. Purity certainly matters within a marriage. And whether you're married or not, we're, we're called to honor the purity within marriage. Honor that covenant, whether you're in a marriage, anticipating marriage, you're honoring other people's marriage. But here's the thing. Nobody plans to do things that are destructive to our marriages. Nobody plans to do those things but a majority still do it. And I think sometimes it's not so much planning to do it, having the goal to do something stupid, but failing to plan in the opposite direction. And so today we're, we're talking about more than just adultery, but we're going to start there, kind of lay the foundation, but really thinking through what does it look like to stay pure within marriage in anticipation, in anticipation of marriage before we get into a situation where things can start falling apart. So some more statistics for you. Um, around 90% of people, when surveyed, believe that cheating on your spouse is always 
wrong. Now, even within our culture, within our country, that, that seems like a high percentage, but most people, nine out of 10 people would say it's absolutely wrong every single time. However, even though that, that number has gone up, the number of people cheating on their spouses has also gone up dramatically. The University of California did a study from uh, really the first decade of this millennium, from 98 to 2008, and just in those 10 years alone, the percentage of people cheating on their spouses more than doubled just in that time frame. And so why, why is that? What is it about this time period that's making that happen? Well, I have some ideas, a, a couple of things that I think are contributing to that. One is there's more temptation than in the past. Maybe not more temptation, but really it's easier to get into trouble than it used to be, whether you're connecting or reconnecting with someone on social media. There's more secrecy. There's more access. This is more than just uh, dirty magazines under the, under the mattress. Now we're talking about websites that actually are designed to help people cheat and get away with it. We've got smartphones, we've got tablets, and basically, um, if you call lust and porn the gateway drug of adultery, they're far more accessible than they used to be. So there's, the temptation is different than it used to be. Second thing I think contributes to the increase is people are getting married later. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting married later. There's no rule that says you have to get married in your 20s, your 30s, or even your 40s. But in our culture, getting married later means you've had more dating partners before you get married. That means in our culture, more sexual partners and more baggage that you're bringing into a marriage when that time finally comes. See, in our culture... People who are dating pretend like they're married. They live like they're married. And eventually they break up and they repeat the cycle. So basically, we've tra- we're training people how to cheat and walk away when things get difficult. And cheating is the number one reason why couples split up. And so as couples wait longer and longer and longer, as people wait longer to get married, there's so many other things that are happening before marriage that are contributing to the issues that happen within marriage. A third reason I think that's contributing to the rise in impurity within marriage is a growing sense of entitlement. Now, this isn't just about millennials. I know we like to throw around that entitlement word when it comes to that generation. But basically, if I want it, I'm going to get it. If I'm not getting it in my marriage, I'm going to get it somewhere else. If she's not satisfying my needs, I'm justified in seeking it out elsewhere, to look for it elsewhere, to satisfy those needs elsewhere. I deserve it. I deserve to be happy. And this other option is going to make me happy. But here's the problem with all that. And this is especially for those of you who are single, who at some point anticipate being married. I'm talking about teenagers, college age, 20s. If, if there is marriage in your future and you're thinking, I'm going to have, I'm gonna have this, this pure marriage. It's going to be great. We're going to be faithful to each other. The issue is you don't build a life of purity on a foundation of sin. And so the decisions that we make now, the things that we're choosing to do and take part in now are having an impact on the relationships that we're going to have later. The best way to prepare for a pure marriage, the best way to develop a marriage that you're maybe in right now, but the best way to prepare for a pure marriage is to live a pure life today. And here's the good news. Because we've all got baggage. We've all made stupid decisions. We've all brought some impurity into our relationships. We're all, we're, all making, we're all doing dumb things, but we serve a God of tremendous grace. So that no matter what happened back then, no matter what we're bringing into the present, no matter what decisions we've made before we're married, while we're married, we serve a God who says, I can heal that. I can bring grace to that. I can bring forgiveness to that. And so you can seek God today for a life and for a marriage of purity both now 
and later on. And the key phrase is the title of this series, From This Day Forward. So that no matter what has already happened, we can make these commitments, including the commitment to stay pure, from this day forward and allow God to do the healing that he needs to do in the midst of those commitments. So in our quest to keep marriage pure, we're going to approach it from two sides today. One is the outward purity side, and the other is the inward purity. Okay, so outward purity, that's our behavior. Ephesians 5, chapter, uh, Ephesians 5 verse 3 uh, makes it pretty clear. It says, But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. So not even a hint, not any kind. Of, and the gravity we need to give this, the weight that we need to give this is like thinking about poison. There should be no hint of poison in your marriage. We're not talking about dust in your water. We're talking about poison in your water, poison in your food, poison in your dessert. Not even a hint is okay in your food. Not even a hint is okay in your marriage. So I've got a snarky little game for us to play this morning, okay? It's going to be easy, but I want to drive the point home a little bit. So I'm going to ask you, if, uh, if I say something or ask you something, and, and if something represents a hint of impurity within a marriage, I want you to agree by saying yes, okay? And the answer is always yes. <laughs> so let me help you out. I'm going to start easiest to hardest. So here's the first one. If someone is sleeping with the secretary or the pool boy, is there a hint of impurity? Thank you. Good, strong, confident answer. If someone is looking at porn while at work, working out, or hanging out, is there a hint of impurity? Yes. yes. If someone is lusting after their favorite actress or actor, is there a hint of impurity? Yes. If someone is dirty dancing with someone else or visiting a strip club on the business trip, is there a hint of impurity? Yes. If someone is reading, watching, or taking in media that takes their mind places it shouldn't go, is there a hint of impurity? Yes. yes. It's not nothing. It's poison in your food. It's poison in your water. It's a big deal. You don't want any kind of impurity anywhere near or in or around your life or your marriage. Instead, we need Proverbs 5.8. And this, and this verse gets written as part of it in a, a section talking about um, staying away from adultery and those who would lead you into that. And he's talking about the woman with that, that one house on the street where she's always kind of flirting and kind of always putting the vibe out there. And maybe it's the guy, I don't know. But this is what it says. It says, keep to a path far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't even mess around. Don't creep around. Just stay far away. And then 1 Corinthians six eighteen says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. You might remember the story of Joseph back in the Old Testament where Potiphar's wife is coming on strong. And he doesn't stick around to talk it out. He runs away. He flees the situation. So honestly, here's the thing. If you're, if you're not a Christ follower here, I don't know what brought you in. I don't know why you chose a holiday to visit church, but I'm glad you're here. If you're here, you'd say, I'm, I'm just checking things out. I'm, I'm still seeking. I'm, I'm trying to figure out all this. Sorry. I'm trying to figure out if this is for me or not. I got a lot of questions. I would say the things we're talking about in this series, things from today, they're wisdom. They're things that are going to give you a better future, a better present. I would encourage you to do that. But here's the thing. You belong to you. You belong to you. So do what you want. But if you would say that you're a Christ follower, if you would say that you are a believer, you're a professing Christian, this next verse gives us a different requirement. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20 
says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have received from God? You are not your own. It's not you anymore. You're not calling the shots anymore. You were bought at a price and therefore honor God with your bodies. It's a big deal for our bodies. It's a big deal for our marriage. It's a big deal for our walk with Christ. And so flee from anything impure, anything that's going to be poisonous to our marriage. And so we can remember the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about how if if your eye is causing you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. What he's saying is deal severely with anything that's going to lead you down the wrong path. Anything that's going to bring impurity into your life into your home, into your marriage. And so we've got some things between Kathy and I that we try to do that help us flee. Okay, and so some practical things that I do in in my life and and with Kathy's help. First thing is Kathy gets to know everything. She gets to know everything. If I have lunch with someone, if I have a work meeting, if my schedule changes, if I'm getting coffee with somebody, especially if it's a woman, she gets to know exactly what I'm up to. There is no none of your business. She gets to know what I'm up to. Second thing is we have friends who know me and know our family very, very well. And this is more than just accountability. These are people who when we hang out, they would know if something was off. People that we can't fake it around. People who know us, know what we're like, know our normal state, and would know if something was off. Another big one for us is uh, every screen I have has an accountability feature called Covenant Eyes on it. And this thing keeps track of websites visited, things that you're looking at, and every month sends a report to the accountability person that you've chosen. In my case, it's Kathy. So Kathy gets to find out everything that my phone and computer have done over the course of a month. Now, that can be a, that can be a difficult burden for a wife, so that's not for everybody. That has worked for us. Um, but as long as somebody gets it, that's the important thing. Um, other ways that I've tried to flee. Uh, we've, ha- we've had free HBO before, and I've canceled it because HBO has different movies than TBS, right? <laughs> different stuff on there. Um, I- I'm, a, I'm a Twitter guy. I don't tweet a lot, but I like to go to Twitter for news updates and trends and things like that. Um, but I deleted the Twitter app and only used the browser on my phone to do Twitter because what I discovered is that if you go through the app, it'll give you access to things that don't show up on the report. And it was too big of a risk. And so doing it through the browser is, it's inconvenient, it's slower, uh, it's not as smooth, but that's the way that we've chosen to do it because that's fleeing, staying away from the possible temptation. Here's the thing, we talked about with, uh, uh, with false teachers a, a few weeks ago in the Sermon on the Mount series, organizations can have accountability, you can have things in place, you can have multiple eyes on things, and the same can be true in your life, but no system is perfect can always find a way around things, but you can make an attempt, and these are my attempt to flee. And you say, Justin, are you that messed up, bro? Are you that weak? And I would say, no. Almost every day, no, I'm not that weak. But I also know that my, my pursuit of Christ has not yet achieved perfection status. And so I flee, and Kathy helps me flee. And we work together on that. We work to make sure that the outward behaviors are pure and pleasing in God's eyes. Um, and if you're with us last week talking about having fun, we also try to have a lot of fun together. And if you missed it, you can go back and listen to the podcast, check it out, and find out exactly what I'm talking about. But we'll leave that there. Um, so that's that. And by the way, if you know of other couples, maybe they don't even go here, but you just think they could be encouraged by things, 
shoot them a link. You can get these talks on our website at fieldstonechurch.org slash audio. We put them on iTunes. You can find them there. Um, and as far as I know, we don't make any money off of that. Is that right, Joe? We don't make any money off the podcast? Someday we'll figure that out. But uh, So I'm not trying to sell clicks or anything. So that's outward purity, right? The behavioral side. But there's more to it than that. In fact, there's a more important side of that, and that's the inward purity, and that's our heart. And the bottom line of that is that even when we try our best to live outwardly pure, if we stop there, eventually we're going to fail. We don't have the strength to overcome, overcome every temptation. So the goal is for God to transform our hearts and to start living pure from the inside out. Psalm 119 uh, talks about that. Um, Psalm 119, starting in verse 9, it says, How can a young person or old person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So in week one, we talked about seeking God and how that has to be the priority, seeking him in prayer, in scripture, seeking his truth, seeking his will, seeking out things that are of him. And as we do that, as we're seeking him as our number one, the more we become renewed and changed and transformed. And as that happens, we begin to see that the things that had power over us now repulse us and we can begin to recognize and avoid the poison before it comes. The heart matters. Purity isn't just about outside behaviors. The line of sin doesn't start out here. It starts in here. And so in that passage in Matthew 5, where Jesus is talking about adultery and lust, he basically says, you've crossed various boundaries of purity and sin long before anything happens out here. And so if it starts in here, then the strength and the power and the change have to start in here. And that's where Jesus comes in. Because you've been around long enough to know that you can fake it out here. You can look pure. You can act pure. You can even be pure out here. But if it's not taken care of, this is harder to control. And that's where we have to rely on Christ to come in and change us from the inside out. We have to have a relationship with him in order for anything out here to be affected. That's where it's got to start. So when it comes to impurity, when it comes to the stupid things that we do, there's three typical responses that we have. The first two are incorrect, and the third one is what God is looking for out of us. The first typical response is defensiveness, and some of you might be feeling that today. Maybe there's something weighing on your heart as I talk about this. And if you're feeling defensive today, maybe, Justin, guys are just like that. It's it's just guys being guys. Or man, Justin, if she would only do this, I wouldn't have to do that. If he would be more like that, I wouldn't have to be like this not my fault. If he would just meet my needs, I wouldn't have to go somewhere else. She shouldn't have been checking up on me. If you're feeling defensive today, I want to encourage you, drop your guard. You are not above correction. You are not perfect. And getting defensive, pushing back against things that God might be telling us, that's a rebellious response to his truth. And it can often be a sign of hidden sin in your life that you're not prepared to deal with. So I want to challenge you, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Let him challenge you. Let him create that healthy tension that instigates conversations and gets you seeking and gets you, gets you figuring out what, what needs to happen next. What are you trying to ask me? The first one is defensiveness. Another response feels like a good one, and that's feeling intense remorse or guilt. I'm bad. I'm horrible. 
can't believe I did that. I'm a failure. I'm not worthy of love or forgiveness. This seems like a good response, like to just annihilate ourselves and be self-deprecating, but that's not what God is looking for out of us, and that's not what he says about us. See, our human version of guilt, our human version of, of remorse brings pain and a weight that's difficult to bear, but there's a godly response to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance, and that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And so while our version of sorrow brings guilt and weight and pain that comes along with our imperfections, God's version and what he desires for us is repentance. Repentant before God, repentant before our spouse, repentant before those that we've hurt, saying, I have sinned, I've messed up, forgive me, God, heal me, transform me from the inside out. And guys, if someone comes to you with that, I don't care if it's a kid, I don't care if it's your spouse, I don't care if it's a friend, I pray that you meet that, understanding the courage that comes with initiating that conversation, the fear that comes with that, the humility to initiate that, and I pray that any conversations that come about as a result of this, that they'd be met with grace and patience and forgiveness. Now, you might be ticked, because guess what? Your spouse isn't perfect, and it can hurt. And you might be heartbroken over some of the decisions that they make. There certainly might be things for you to work through as a couple, but at the same time, your marriage is worth that work. It's worth embracing that tension. It's worth the patience that's required to get from where you are to where God wants to take you as a couple. And whatever you think you have now, whatever you think you had before you found out your spouse wasn't perfect, I promise you that true health and true joy are waiting for you on the other side of what God can do and the healing that he can bring. Ultimately, guys, this is about doing things God's way. Well, Justin, that's outdated. That, that, that's kind of old school thinking. That's a little bit stuffy. Things have changed now. We'll get, oh, let's, cool, let's talk about new school. New way of doing things. We have a 50% divorce rate and climbing. New school is a quarter of all men cheating on their wives at some point and climbing. New school is a growing addiction to pornography by both genders, leading to dysfunctional relationships and even an inability to experience healthy intimacy. New school isn't working. It may seem better, it may seem worth it, but bringing impurity into your lives, into your marriages is never worth it. And some of you might be stuck in something right now. Is it worth it? Or is there something else that God wants you to, to experience? There's something else that he has for you. It's about his way, his way in our behaviors, his way in our hearts, his way in how we respond to failure, his way in how we respond to our spouse's failure. God made relationships. God made marriage. He designed it and he has plans for you and your marriage. And if we'll do things his way, it can make all the difference in how we experience current and future relationships. So from this day forward, in Christ, we can get it right. So at the end of each week, I've thrown out some questions I'd love for you to discuss with your spouse on the way out and got a question for singles as well. So it's something for you to ponder. I hope that you guys have been engaging in these conversations over the last few weeks. So the question for singles, what's one thing I can do to begin laying a healthier foundation for my future marriage? What's one thing I can do to begin laying a healthier foundation for my future marriage? And for those of you already in a relationship, I want you to look at your spouse at some point today and ask them, how are you doing? 
How are you doing? And whatever the response, your second question is, how can I help? How are you doing? How can I help? And be ready for the conversation because your spouse is imperfect and they have struggles and they have tensions in their lives and they, they have things that they're battling through and working through. And so be ready to embrace that tension and seek God together and experience what he has for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And um, God, I pray that just as throughout the whole series, God, as today's topic may be stirring up things in each of us, I pray that you would be present in that and that whatever conversations, whatever wrestling needs to happen around this topic, that God, you would be there, that you would bring your grace, that you would bring your patience into the equation and that healing would begin in the midst of any tension. Father, we love you. Thank you for a beautiful day and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.